And if you'd like to join the conversation, Right. I'm being uh, quiet now. They can go back and listen to it if they want to know. If yeah, exactly. About. Play, play, three play, you know. Are you crazy about chihuahuas? Maybe you're wondering if a chihuahua is the right dog for you. Perhaps you have a training or a behavior struggle. Well, look no further. Here you will find expert opinions, honest views, training and behavior advice, and much more on the Chihuahua Podcast. And now, Allow me to welcome your hosts, Kate Masterton and Haley Miles. Over to you, ladies. Hello, and welcome to the Two Hour Podcast. We are now on episode five, and this episode is all about puppies, which we love. We love puppies, don't we, Kate? We do, all about puppies. Wow, well, it's amazing, actually, isn't it? This is our first episode since the rest of them went live. I know, I know. So cool. We are, yeah, it's amazing. Thank you, listeners, for all your positive feedback and your comments and everything. And um, I hope we're bringing you a lot of value. So, yeah, this episode is about puppies, uh, puppy first, really. So puppy, puppy's first night, puppy's first walk and some chewing and stuff like that as well. So, right, let's get into it. So, Kate, when we bring our puppy first home and we are thinking about our puppy's first night, there is we there is this is something that a lot of people get wrong, isn't it? The problems that you have later on start here. I think yeah. Th- this this episode and uh, is going to help. I think a lot of behaviour issues from happening in the first place. So this, if you've got a new puppy, this is the episode for you because you're going to be able to put those uh, protocols in place to prevent things going a little bit wrong down the road. And we're going to give you a step-by-step walkthrough of how to settle your puppy in in the first night and the first week and then going forwards with your new puppy. So in this episode, we're going to talk about attachment theory to start off with and how that's really important that your puppy has a secure attachment to you as secure relationships encourage independence to flourish naturally. John Bowlby's studies in attachment science found that children with secure attachments to their primary caregiver found absences less stressful. And another researcher did a similar study on dogs and found that dogs' attachment bond with their primary caregiver was very similar to that of a child to to their parent. Mm -hmm. So Bowlby considered that attachment bonds are built securely by being available and accessible frequently. So we would recommend that you are available and accessible to your puppy as much as possible until the puppy is at least 16 weeks. Because building that secure attachment is so, so important to build that bond, to build that relationship. And what a lot of people will do is they will rush this process. They'll rush it through and try and get the puppy independent as independent as possible but rush through it so the puppy doesn't build like a natural independence and in some cases they won't build a very strong secure attachment in the first place which is where a lot of problems start isn't it yeah it's interesting that as a humans as a species we're very quick to want to push independence before rather than just letting it happen naturally through secure attachments Whereas other animals don't do that, do they? I don't know why we're so keen to so quickly want them to be independent. But if they feel secure in their attachment, independence will grow naturally from that secure attachment. 
Yeah, I did this with a client recently and she brought her puppy home. I think it was nine weeks or something. It was actually a little chihuahua. I said, right, for the first seven days, and we are going to be talking about this in a minute, for the first seven days, just allow her to have access to you at all times. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then once she's built that secure attachment, we can start to build that independence gradually. And in fact, she probably will be going off, toddling off on her own away from you. But knowing she can come back to you and you're that secure anchor for her, you're available to her, is going to push that independence, is going to push that confidence up. And you know what? That dog now is really well bonded to the lady, my client, but also a very confident little dog and independent. Knowing that they have that security of their person and they feel like, you're going to be there for them. You're going to meet their needs. You're, if they need something, you've got their back. That then gives them, it's the same with people, isn't it? Same with children. Knowing that they've got a strong attachment to their primary caregiver gives them that confidence to then go and be independent. Mm. Builds resilience as well. It does build yeah. resilience. Yeah. So what happens when a lot of people bring a new puppy home is that they tend to think or they've read somewhere or they've Googled or some other person has told them to let the puppy cry it out or to cry itself to sleep. Don't go to the puppy when it's crying. You will you will make the puppy needy or, you know, don't molly coddle the puppy. Where in fact, that's completely, complete rubbish. It should be the opposite. It was the same old school advice that they used to give to parents, isn't it, with children, just let yeah. them cry it out. But in fact, we now know that this is actually detrimental to the child and the puppy to just let them cry it out. So when you take any other animal, I know we're talking about dogs here. So we're, you know, it's miles away from other animals. But just to give you an example, you don't see wolves or bears with uh, mothers with young infants leaving their offspring when they're very young. They will always be there and responsive to the to the to the infant's needs and this is what we should be doing with our with our own puppy because when they are vocalizing it's usually because they have a need that needs to be fulfilled yeah it's just it is it is a distress call yeah i need something they're not going to be doing it to spite you or because they're being silly or, or whatever you know they're either cold they're hungry they need comfort it could be Lots of different things, but they will be vocalizing because they're in distress. They basically need you. So we have a a three-step puppy bedtime routine. So this is what we would recommend that you do to settle your puppy in at bedtime. And this routine should take around 30 minutes, which is a very small amount of time considering that it's probably going to save you some sleepless nights going forward. And we very strongly (laughs) recommend that you're strict about this routine for at least five nights. And obviously, as you go on with the puppy, you probably have to change it as logistically it might not be practical, but you have to be strict with it for at least the first five nights. So what I would recommend is that you do this routine prior just prior to your bedtime as well because probably as you as the puppy grows older you're going to probably go be going to bed at the same time anyway as when the puppy well when the puppy's an adult dog you'll probably be going to bed at the same time so step one is going to be a training session with your puppy it doesn't have to be anything too taxing so it's going to be either teaching a sit or a down or maybe a hand target it's just something to mentally stimulate your puppy because mental exercise is more tiring for them than physical exercise because in mm. fact actually physical exercise can just rile them up even more can't it because yeah definitely thing, definitely you need do... something yeah you need something that's going to lower that arousal but be constructive yeah 
you don't really want them to be doing a lot of physical activity before bedtime. It should be think of it like a child having a bedtime story. We're going to do a bit of training. Mm-hmm. So either teaching a sit or a hand target. Um, I think something is going to be a little bit of problem solving. Like, can you touch my hand with your nose? Yeah, I can. Brilliant. OK, that's going to uh, some of that is going to help work their brain or um some verbal sits or something like that or hand signal I think hand targets a really good one because it's yeah. nice and calm and it doesn't have we're not talking about long training session here like maybe five minutes mm-hmm. before bedtime and then after that you're going to take them outside for their wheeze uh, very important and this again as an adult dog this is going to be part of their routine outside wheeze before bedtime mm-hmm. isn't it definitely um, definitely and oh another point on it I know it's to- uh, toilet training which we did cover but what we didn't cover which I thought about later was chihuahuas are often very sensitive to the cold so yes but this can actually be used to your advantage because you can use the so they do their wheeze and then you protect them in straight away yeah so because they don't like being outside particularly when it's cold and horrible and it can actually massively improve and speed up your toilet training and it did with chloe Mm. because she was like I don't like it outside but as soon as she learned when I wee I get to come inside again she's like oh it's amazing yeah so she's very quick to be like oh we inside that's what I've done with Bo actually both Bo Bo and Kiri but especially Bo she's like right as soon as you get to do your she will I've taught her that the wee outside the pee gets her to come back in and actually she gets a bedtime treat (laughs) so that's what I've done with her but yeah, so we, did, we didn't mention that last time, but mm. I thought that's a really good one because as soon as they click that, they're very quick to go outside, aren't they? Like, oh, yeah. as soon as I wee, it gets to come inside, yay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this means that, which, yeah. is, which is good, yeah. Which is what you want. So yeah, that's mm. step two. So step two, toilet time. Step three, you're going to give your puppy something to chew on mm. and you're going to put it in its sleep area and you're going to make sure that the sleeping area is near to you and ensure that you are available as well. So you should mm-hmm. be able to touch the puppy. So you really want the crate by the bed or if you don't want the puppy in your room, I would suggest that you sleep downstairs with the puppy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, step three, give them a chew and be and available. To- yeah. So for the first night, if you don't have a crate, I guess you could use a high sided box so you could put your hand over to comfort the puppy if needed but then they but they can see you but yeah definitely a crate would be better because you can then get down get your hands through your little your fingers through the crate bars yeah which is what I did with Casper he's in a crate yeah. by the bed so I was just like hello I'm still here it's okay yeah. and he was really he was really good so he Bless only him. cried he cried the first night a little bit but I just was like it's okay mm. I'm here and then he's been fine ever since yeah yeah and now he's having currently he's having a nap and hopefully we la- hope this lasts the duration of the podcast yeah hopefully <laughs> hopefully um I guess also it is a good idea to to have them as sleepy as possible think a child you know if they they are sleepy then that's the time to get into bed but but yeah if they're if they've, there's a little bit of energy there and you're thinking yeah you're not ready for bed yet don't expect your puppy to settle if it's if there's energy there you know you need you need them sort of like I can't keep my eyes open any longer Mm. And then put them to bed or, or you know, settle them down with a chew, like Kate says. Yeah. Also, massage as well can help, can't it? Yeah. And I think it's also what, what you, how you are with the puppy as well. Mm-hmm. When I when with my puppies, what I've done is I've I've dimly lit the bedroom. For, I've gone up there to the bedroom wherever I'm sleeping, dimly lit it, get it bedtime ready. No bright lights, no loud TV or music, maybe some soft music, everything down low, like you would a, a toddler. You know, otherwise you 
think about your own bedtime routine. You want to sort of start to wind down. So dimly lit room, maybe some soft music, warm enough or cool enough. And then what I do is I just I move I move slowly around like I'm winding down now. Mm. There's no hot. I'm not ruffling fur, slow strokes. Hopefully this is making sense, but this is what I do. It's it's about how you are with your puppy at bedtime and no playing, really. No, no playing. Just all calm, quiet activities. Sniffing, chewing, lit training and obviously, you know, toileting and just winding down for the night. Okay, so that's our three-step plan for the first five nights. Now we're going to do our first week plan. So for the first three nights, this is where distress and vocalisation are going to be more common. And what we would advise people do is that your puppy stays crated or penned in the same room that you are sleeping in. And on night four to five, as we move on, when the puppy is sleeping through, we advise that you start to move the puppy's bed away from you very, very gradually or you move away from them that means that you are still in the it, you, you are in proximity with the puppy but not directly reachable in contact with the puppy so we start to build that independence and build that uh, proximity or that closeness away from you exactly and then on night six the puppy is outside of the room but only just so maybe just outside of the bedroom door so you can still hear the puppy if they call out for you um so yeah it's just only just outside of the room yeah, and this is, of course, if you actually want your puppy to be not in the bedroom, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know, you can have your dog living, uh, living, sleeping in the bedroom with you. Um, this, this is if you want to, to your dog, your puppy to sleep downstairs eventually, your dog to sleep downstairs yeah, eventually, or in a different room or somewhere else. You yeah, know, yeah, you can, you can just leave them in the room with you if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is how we su- suggest that you start to gradually move them away. Uh, not go completely cold turkey because they're not going to cope with that, but but no. in a gradual way. Small increments. Yeah, small <laughs> increments because then by day seven, that's when we would suggest that you put the puppy in the room or the area that you want them to sleep in, but use potentially use a child monitor or something so you can still hear them and respond to them if they if they need you I mean me personally my dog sleep in my bedroom well mine sleep in my bedroom as well (laughs) (laughs) I know that a lot of people don't don't like it or they want them to sleep somewhere else so this Mm. is the routine that we'd recommend if you do want to sleep separate from your puppy but Mm. personally I have them in the bedroom with me yeah (laughs) (laughs) So when the plan doesn't go quite to plan and your puppy wakes up, what do we do? It's a good question. Because there's an old advice that people people still use or still listen to. Yeah, so this is where that old advice of let them cry out comes in. So what we don't do is we don't let the puppy just cry and get distressed. In an ideal world, how the, the, the puppy will be would be prevented from feeling distressed anyway. So we would be there for a puppy. There's no reason for your puppy to wake up and feel like it needs to cry unless it needs the toilet or it's cold. So what we wouldn't do when the puppy wakes up and cries is leave it, leave it to cry. Like, like we said before, because that's just, in fact, that's bordering on cruel. We would not allow the puppy to cry because it's crying for a reason. It's a, it's a distress call. I need something. Please help me. So what I would do is I would, I would think, right, what does my puppy need and go to my puppy? My puppy would be next to the bed bed anyway. Yeah. And it's possible that in the first 
the first couple of days, you know, they've been with their mom, they've been with their little mates, and and then they might be crying because of um, just all the changes, couldn't it? Because in the first three days, that's when it's going to be most stressful for them as well. So they might be crying because, oh, where have all my friends gone? And, yeah, and if they... you're a little baby, and you know, puppy, baby, where's my mommy? Woken, just woken up, and maybe you've had a dream, or you've just woken up, mm. and all of a sudden you're, and you're like, oh, I'm on my own where is everybody it's dark you're going to call out to you know you're going to call out for help like help where am I I don't know where I am you know yeah and sometimes all they need is that little bit of reassurance isn't it reassurance yeah yeah so sometimes when my two woke up in the night when they were baby well still one is still a baby sometimes I just just say it's okay I'm here just let them know that there's somebody here and see if they'll go back to sleep because sometimes they will just go back to sleep but then they also might need the toilet and most of the time most likely they need a wee don't Mm -hmm. they I think the two common issues for puppy weight are three probably three common issues for puppies waking up in the middle of the night they need the toilet they're caught they've got cold or they just need some reassurance like it's dark where am I where where usually I'm I'm surrounded by bodies which is warm and comforting. My mum's there. My siblings are here. Usually I'm surrounded by bodies. And Where is everyone? <laughs> yeah. 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 So it just that bit of reassurance is sometimes enough to just get them to go back to sleep. Uh, of course, it depends on what age they are, doesn't it? So very, very early on, they probably need a, it's probably, oh my God, I'm on my own and I need a wee. <laughs> I always just assume they always need a wee when they're really young. So when they do cry in the night, how you should respond to them is, don't make it a big event or anything. Don't be like, oh, poor puppy. Just take them out for a week. Make sure that they've all their needs are met. So you're just going to, if they cry, you're going to take them outside for a wee and you're going to put them back in their pen with, make sure that they've got their chew. It shouldn't be a big event. It should just be, okay, you cry, we go for a wee, you go back to bed and then we have a nice sleep again. You don't want to make it what's what you don't want to give them too much yeah you don't (laughs) want to make it an activity and you don't want to engage with them too much do you because one that will make them more awake and two they might be like oh when I I cried and now it's oh it's all very don't make it exciting cry 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 does not mean playtime yeah yeah no cry does not mean playtime cry means I need a wee or I'm a bit worried so yeah give them some reassurance take them for a wee put them back to bed Mm -hmm. Um, yeah like Kate says I think just make the the bedtime toileting overnight that has to be boring right that Mm. has to be slow just just no I wouldn't even talk well maybe a little bit of talking but I wouldn't be going oh do you want want a wee do you want a wee now let's take you out oh let's take you out come on let's go pick up the puppy (laughs) pick up calmly cuddle the puppy into you go downstairs put the puppy down no speaking I wouldn't be speaking to be honest with you Take the puppy back in. Okay, let's settle you in. Don't turn any lights on. Just you know, keep it very low light, low lit, and settle the puppy in. Make sure it's got water. Make sure it's warm. Make sure it's got its chew, and then you both, and then you should it should settle down again. Don't get it aroused at all. Keep it very very keep it he or she keep he or she very calm and make it like toileting at the bedtime. Toileting is boring. Okay. That's important because some people will get up and the puppy maybe goes, oh, can I play now? Well, no, we can't because it's bedtime. And then you're setting yourself up for a big failure, I I think. Yeah, massive failure. Yeah, it should all just be very calm and quiet. So sometimes what I found is so we've so Casper wakes up. He has 
sometimes has a little cry. I take him out for a wee. So on his first night, I put him back to bed and he still had he still had a little bit of vocalization. He was like, mm. oh, I don't like it. But I knew that he didn't need the toilet because he'd literally just been, he had all his things, he had shoes. And because it was the first night, he probably was more like, Oh my god, I'm on my own. Mm. Where's my sibling? So all I did was just say, you know, it's okay, just really quietly, you know, it's okay, I'm here. Put my fingers through the bars so he could smell me. He knew he wasn't alone. And then he settled back to sleep again. Mm-hmm. How is he Absolutely now? Absolutely fine, like with no issues. He sleeps right through. Yeah. I mean, he only he only really cried for the first three nights and only very slightly and now he's just absolutely fine he's was that more like a whimpering <laughs> yeah it was just a, he i said he's still he's in the other room he's now. still napping he's right still now sleeping and he's, he's away from you in another room isn't he he is yeah he's in the That's bedroom amazing. but i've got the door open so i can hear him if he yeah needs me because um he's been in there a while Okay, so that wraps up for puppy's first bedtime, first bedtime, first night. <laughs> and now we're going to do puppy's first walk. Over to you, Hayley. Thank you. And you know what? Puppy's first walk, right. This is something also that a lot of people do get a little bit wrong. When we get a new dog or a new puppy, we want to do all the dog stuff with them, don't we? We want to do all the dog stuff. We want to take them out. We want to take them for walks. We want to go places with them and, and get the dog walking straight away and all this sort of thing. But you know what? A lot of people, what they do is they will take the puppy out a little bit too soon. It, what, I'm, what I mean by that is the, the puppy will be vaccinated, but... It's like now the puppy can go out for a walk. Oh, my God, let's get the harness on. Let's get the collar on and the lead. And for a lot of people, this is the first, for a lot of chihuahua puppies, this is the first time they've ever had the equipment on. Yeah. And they've gone for a walk. So, (laughs) yeah. So for me, puppy's first walk is not all about going out for that first walk. There's a stage, there's a process, there's a a step-by-step protocol, I guess. So while your puppy isn't able, in one of the last episodes, we talked about socialization. So your puppy should be going out anyway in the car, in a little buggy. You know, it should be going out doing socialization visits and trips. But in the meantime, let's get your puppy used to wearing a harness. Let's get your puppy used to wearing a collar or whatever you're going to use for walking equipment. let's get your puppy used to having the lead attached. So what I would do is I would do this first of all at home and have the puppy used to having the equipment on at home with lots of nice treats and stuff, attaching the lead, letting the puppy drag the lead around the house, having a little play, eating some treats, maybe a licky mat or something like that, or a, or a new chew. Get the puppy comfortable with having the equipment on first because the puppy's first walk should not be overwhelming. And a lot of times what happens is, the, the puppy has to cope with equipment that it's not had on before, like a harness, then a lead attached, then someone pulling the lead, then the environment. It's all very overwhelming. And you do see a lot of puppies, well, I do, that are sort of just like frozen in fear or, or over, they're just overwhelmed because they're like, I don't know what's going on. What is this thing I'm doing? And the owner's like, come for a walk. It's fun. <laughs> and the puppy's like, ah, it's too much. It's too much for me. So the puppy's just like, what is, what the hell is happening to me? <laughs> Whereas if you do it things, yeah. in stages, it's not such a big deal because they're like, oh, well, I've I've had this harness on before. That's fine. I've walked around in my harness with a lead on in the house or in the garden. And that was no big issue. I've been out in my bag and seen the world. So I know that's all, all right as well. So yeah. when you finally put all of it together, go outside on the lead and they're just like, oh, this is exciting, isn't it? Did you see that yeah. video of Casper on his harness where he was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I know. And I know. That's amazing. Off and down how, the old is, how old is Casper now? He's 15 weeks. 
15 now. weeks and he's and walking yeah. like he, he's been walking forever and i saw some pictures at the beach of him doing a socialization which is not what we're talking about this episode but it kind of but he's he looks so confident yeah he really is and because i've done it all gradually like he's it's all been in stages he's been out and seeing the world in the bag he's not been on the floor and had to interact with the world he's just observed it um he's had his harness on in the house he's had the lead on it in the house um and then yeah like i said put it all together and then when we went out in town he just shot off down the road and was like oh my god i'm the best <laughs> he's like i'm i'm free but i'm i'm feeling yeah. fine he was sniffing wasn't he and everything amazing the common problem we often see is i take my puppy outside and it won't walk it just sits there yeah, I, I'm, but I'm thinking, has your puppy been on a lead before? Mm. No. Has your puppy seen a car before? Mm. Has your puppy been on, you know, has your puppy seen the outside before? And if it's no, well, well, I can, I can imagine it, it is feeling quite, quite overwhelmed. Mm. And that's the reason. And location is important as well, isn't it? For their first yeah. walk. Location's really important. Like, yeah. Choose somewhere that's not got lots of things going on. So I wouldn't be taking a puppy out for a first walk. And let's just clear this up quickly as well. So puppies, any breed, do not need exercise. So they don't need to go out and get exercise. Your puppy's walks in the beginning should be about experiencing the world and getting used to the, you know, walking on the lead and stuff like that and seeing the world and sniffing, getting used to going out and sniff. But I would not be taking a puppy out on a busy road, obviously a yeah, busy road. I mean, the path for a first for a first walk. I'd be going to a nice quiet park or something like that. Would you would you agree? I would agree. And that's what we did the other day. There was a Christmas festival on in town. So we went there, but mm. he was in his bag so he could just take everything in. And then on the way home, I just stopped for like two minutes in a really quiet, like cul-de-sac area. So he could just, it, and like you said, it wasn't about exercise and having a walk. It was like two minutes walking on his lead. So he could just get used to having his lead on and yeah. having a little sniff. And it was more about sniffing and just being there with all yeah, the equipment on. Yeah, just being there yeah. with the equipment on. Absolutely. And, uh, and not overwhelming him. As trainers, though, we very, this is how we work. We, very, we we do work in small baby steps with dogs. So we are used to this. We are used to breaking everything down like a walk. We're used to breaking it down. The equipment has nothing to do with the outside. We do that first. You know, it has something to do with the outside, but we break down the equipment first, the collar, the harness, attaching the lead, taking the lead off, then walking with the lead, dragging it around, and then you holding the lead. That's a lot different from just dragging the lead. And then outside as well, seeing things, uh, sniffing, walking on the floor. They're all, if you can break it all down, it does make sense. And from the puppy's view, a puppy's point of view, it does make sense if you break it down for them as well. And it's not going to overwhelm them. I keep saying that word, but it is true. We don't want to overwhelm them. The other thing I see people do is that when the puppy, if they do freeze, the pu- they will try and pull the lead which you should never do because you could cause the, the dog not to like being pulled and then you'll cause maybe an aversive feeling towards that harness, that walking equipment. So for me, if your puppy is frozen on the pavement, I would be watching the body language and waiting with them, pausing with them. It's probably likely that they just need time to process what's going on. They just need time. For puppies, for me, I, I think it's a good idea just to allow them to, even if for the first walk, I think not go very far. There shouldn't be a destination. Do you agree? There shouldn't be a destination, really. We should be just there in the environment, allowing them to process. 
I was just going to say watch that. and observe. Yeah, yeah. That the point of the first, the point of puppy's first walk shouldn't be about going for a walk. No, exactly. It shouldn't. It should be puppy's first experience outside. But that's a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> well, not outside, but outside on a lead with a harness, doing this and this and this. Yeah. If you're planning on going for a walk with your puppy for the first time, you're thinking, right, we go down ten minutes down to the park that way. Mm. We'll spend half an hour and walk back. I think probably that's a bit too much. It is. And you've also got to think that they shouldn't really be doing that much exercise, like you said earlier, when they're very young anyway, should they? Because it's not very good for their joints. Um, and you just, you're set, I feel like you're setting yourself up for failure if you say, right, I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk down to this location, because it should just be taking, the puppy should be the one that is leading the walk. If the puppy oh, wants absolutely. to stop, yeah. let yeah. it stop, him or her stop. Yeah. And I think in your brain, if you're in your mind, if you're thinking, right, we've got to get to the park, got to get to the park, then if your puppy does stop, you might get a bit frustrated. Then you're probably going to go start to pull the lead and go, come on, this way, this way, mm. come on. Where in fact, that's not the point of the whole walk. The, if the puppy stops, pause with your puppy and wait. This is the walk now, not going to not the park. The walk starts from the front door, if that makes sense. It does make sense. So if your puppy doesn't want to walk, then your puppy doesn't have to walk. No, because you're not get, trying to get anywhere on puppy's first walk or not even puppy's first walk, puppy's first few walks because Casper has stopped on his walks and that's fine. You know, he has he has a stop, he has a sniff because we're not trying to get anywhere. My goal is just that he feels happy and confident with his harness and lead on in a new environment. And if he needs to stop and sniff, then that's fine. I we'll think you've that. hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you have hit the nail on the head. Well, two things. There is no destination. Your puppy's first walk or the first few walks, there is no destination. Secondly, which is probably the most important, your main goal is to keep your puppy feeling safe on that walk it and happy small. and enjoying the walk. And if it, that means that your puppy wants to sniff a bush for a minute or wants to stop and watch the world go by, that's absolutely fine. In fact, that's perfect. That's what a walk should look like anyway. And if you want to go for a 10 minute walk to the park, take yourself or take your puppy in the <laughs> take the puppy in a carry bag or something. If you yeah. if you've got a destination in mind that you need to get to, take the puppy but put it in a in a carry bag. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's perfect. And but if you want your puppy to walk somewhere, don't expect them to do what you want them to do at the first few walks because they're they're probably unlikely to be wanting to do that while they process everything. So puppies and chewing, that's a big subject as well. So chewing, all dogs need to chew um, and it's a relaxing activity for them to do that. But obviously puppies are teething. So they're, part of the reason that they're chewing is because it, their teeth hurt them and chewing gives them some relief from that as well. So mm. it's a completely natural behaviour and it's definitely something that shouldn't be punished for them doing even if it might happen to be the wrong item that they are chewing. Your brand new <laughs> shoes, for example. <laughs> yes, The exactly. remote control. <laughs> yeah, so they're doing these things. It's completely natural behaviour. They're not doing it because they've got a vendetta against you <laughs> or something. Uh, no. Uh, no. <laughs> they just, it's something that they have to, uh, they have to do. I've heard some people say that I'm not going to give my puppy any chews because it'll encourage them to chew which what yeah. <laughs> they need no. to chew they need to do it it's, they have yeah. to do it and they're going yeah. to find something to chew 
So what we would recommend is that you give them some things that were what we call bite legal, things that they are allowed to chew. You remove access to the things they shouldn't be chewing as much as physically possible, and you give them access to lots of different things that are bite legal. And these things should be different textures, so like fur, something hard, something soft, something squishy. <laughs> so there should be lots of different textures and materials that they are allowed to chew. Yeah, because some puppies are at different stages, they're teething, and some puppies in, as individuals do prefer different textures, don't they? Some puppies like softer ones, some puppies like sort of like the rubbery ones, and some puppies like the natural chews. And some puppies really love, really love wood, wouldn't you? You know, they're the wood type, and that's, yeah, you know, you do. get a lot of puppies chewing on the wood. We need to give them legal chews and then pick up anything that's illegal which is stuff that you basically don't want your puppy to touch or chew. Remote control, shoes. Um, I know that chihuahuas are very small, so they probably wouldn't be able to pick up a shoe. But mm-hmm. uh, but remote controls, shoes, glasses, kids' toys, kids' Lego. Pick it up, put it up high, put it in a cupboard, put it away so the puppy cannot get to it. Because from the puppy's point of view, if it can get access to it, how is the puppy to know that it's not allowed to chew it? Because it has access to it. So, And you, what you shouldn't be doing is you shouldn't be telling them off for chewing the wrong item because the puppy how if it has access then as far as the puppy is aware then that is for the puppy because it can access it and for things that you can't remove access such as like furniture what you can do is put a physical barrier up if it's got a particular area that it likes to go in like maybe a coffee table corner or something you can physically put a barrier up so it can't get access if it's not something you can can actually pick up and remove yeah and you've got to remember it's only going to be a phase so it's, it's only a temporary solution until the puppy comes out of the teething phase so you're not going to have to barricade everything off or pick up everything forever it's only when they're going through this teething stage really but yeah like Kate said you know pick everything up that you don't want to be chewed and provide chews and, and don't tell them off of course when puppies do chew something that they're not it's only because they have found that item They've just found it. They haven't chosen to go, right, I'm going to I'm gonna really annoy my mum now and chew that <laughs> bit of Lego or that coffee table. They've just come across it and they're like, oh, I have a need. It's about meeting that puppy's need. The puppy has a need at that moment and they, they need to chew. And sometimes you'll hear people say, oh, my puppy has a chew, but it's only like one type of chew. And it's so it's then going off and chewing everything else. So people really need to understand that they do need a lot of different varieties and they do have preferences mm-hmm. as well. So they might have a chew, but they really need multiple chews. Yeah, like you don't choose the type of chew that your puppy wants to chew. The puppy chooses. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really good, uh, really important point as well, actually, is give them a choice. So what I like to do is give them a selection of items that they can choose from and then he'll they'll come along and choose their, mm. their thing and then I'll put the rest of them away so they actually have a choice in the matter. That's a nice game to have a selection. I've done this before with my, I've got a free two-hour training group and we did a challenge and one of the games was, I called it Choose Selector. <laughs> choose Selector. We had, but we had yeah. Bo doing the little game and somebody said, oh, it's Bo Selector because <laughs> from the... <laughs> Oh yeah, you I know. know Keith Lemon or whatever. Anyway, so choose, you know, ch- choosing their own chew is really nice, and it's a nice choice game for them. Um, but a lot of people will will say, right, I've got my puppy chews, and it'll be just like nylabone or uh, nothing wrong again wrong with nylabone of course but they'll just be like rubber chews and that's all they've got but the puppy's not wanting that it's wanting 
some wood it's wanting some a soft squidgy one it's wanting something else you know yeah and you can often so if they do start chewing something that you don't necessarily want them to be chewing like their bed for example which is soft you can then give them something that they are allowed to chew which similar in texture that is more likely to make them transfer onto that instead of the thing that they were chewing that's what I was going to say, actually. Your puppy will probably tell what if your puppy's chewing something that you don't want it to chew, it's probably telling you what sort of chew it wants to chew. Mm. If it's chewing the coffee table corner, if it can reach that high. Yeah, I was just thinking the, that this is two hours <laughs> we're talking about. So. Okay, it's the leg. It's the leg. <laughs> if it's the wooden coffee table leg, well then it's the wood type of chews you need. If it's something soft, like a kid's toy then you need to do that. And if it's something else, you know, whatever. But the, uh, I think there's um, there's lots of different chews you can give them. And, and for wood ones, there's coffee root chew, isn't there? There's the chew root ones. So there's lots of there's lots of availability and lots of choice now for different chew, chew types. Yeah, so there really is no excuse. The only thing that I wouldn't recommend is uh, giving them rawhide. No, and this is something that we need to really highlight because, mm. because rawhide is a big no-no. It it's, a big it's, no-no. it's awful. It's full of chemicals. It's made from unknown. <laughs> should we ta- should we basically tell the the listeners what? Uh, well, from what I can gather, it's it's animal skin that's been dried, but treated with chemicals, mm. and then made into these weird shapes. And uh, it's just not something that I would want to feed my dog. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not good for them. It's like you said it's got chemicals in it that we don't want to be exposing our dogs to and it just has no nutritional benefits no at all whereas you can give them natural chews such as pig's ears um rabbit's ears all the ears all the ears all the body parts (laughs) (laughs) that are nutritionally better for them and safe well say safe i wouldn't i would supervise them with those in case they break off any bits of it yeah when you're giving your puppy a chew when they're young always supervise supervise them always supervise them but yeah so when you're looking at chews you want to look at really think natural as possible natural 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 so the wood chews the the um, sort of animal part chews which are a bit stinky sometimes they are disgusting yeah um so the I almost fell off my chair that's what that noise was so the the ears the goat deer rabbit ears you can get rabbit ears with fur on um you know you've got pig's ears you've got the lamb braids all the braids um you've got also things like um whimsies which are like a vegetable based chew they're okay they're really hard but you've got whimsies you've got yak bars which are like a a dried uh, uh, yak cheese probably (laughs) I think that is what it is actually yak those yak bars it's like yak yak milk cheese yak milk cheese type thing which I don't know what it is but (laughs) hopefully one of the listeners can enlighten me on exactly what it is yeah Um, Whimsy, yeah, whimsies are good. You've got uh, there's lots of different chews out there, and you can get them from Amazon and your local pet shop, Pets at Home, just for pets. But the have, retailers are available. Yeah, <laughs> should have a really good supply of different natural natural chews. I'm just thinking that our listeners might be thinking if they need to supervise their puppy with a chew. What about at nighttime when they give them their nighttime chew? And I'm just thinking for that, probably a Kong. So what I use is a stuffed Kong, which is really good because I know that he's not going to get into any trouble with that. Yeah. And actually, I do like Kongs, but actually I 
also love topples yes oh i have one i can just get grab one now but i'm not going to because you can't see it um but (laughs) no i've seen that yeah topples are like a kong but they've got more of a a wide rim like this they're more kind of bucket shaped and they're they're kind of thicker i think but yeah you can put some something in there that is on my to buy list i love topples i've got a couple for mine yeah yeah we're gonna get one but something similar to something like that like a topple or a kong that you can leave them with in their crate Mm -hmm. that's not going to um they're not going to get into any trouble with absolutely so if your puppy does manage to find something not steal something they find something on the floor that they shouldn't really have or is dangerous for them or whatever what should we do and what shouldn't we do and i'm going to talk to you about what you shouldn't do because this happens a lot is you shouldn't make a big deal of it like for example if your puppy grabs a piece of lego from your child's toy box or it's on the floor what you shouldn't really do is go and go you know go ah you've got a piece of lego and try and and chase your puppy and try and grab it out of its mouth because that is going to possibly cause some resource, what we call resource guarding down the road. Now, that's because your puppy is, uh, first of all, it's just found this thing that it wants to chew, which is fine. If you do chase your puppy and grab and go to grab something out of its mouth, you're going to do, you could do potentially, you know, emotional damage. Your puppy might get startled, might get frightened. It doesn't know what you're doing. Grabbing that item out of the mouth, it's losing something of value, okay, uh, which it wanted. And there's no trade-off. You know, it's like, oh, I've just lost that thing. Mum's just come and attacked me. She's taken the thing out of my mouth. I don't know what I've done wrong. So what we don't want to do is do that because it's just going to possibly lead to issues down the road. I just want to add the amount of resource guarding that I've seen caused over a tissue is just not worth it. If you chase your dog when it's got something that you don't want it to have, all you're going to teach it is that when I grab get an item, I don't know whether I'm supposed to have it or not, is run away and hide with it and keep it away from my owner because they're just going to come and scare me half to death yeah so they're not going to be be confident are they (laughs) no your puppy's learning all the time it's learning all the time it's going to learn that when I grab something in my mouth I'm possibly going to get chased first of all it might be quite fun for my owner to chase me with this thing in its mouth then I'm going to it's going to they're going to wrench it out my mouth that's not so fun so I might actually start to then start to protect that item so it's just not worth if your puppy has picked up something that's not going to threaten its life or injure it. For example, a sweet wrapper, a tissue. I would just let that puppy have that thing. Yeah, and I do do the same. Like Casper got a tissue the other day and I was like, well, you're having a nice time with that tissue. (laughs) And I was not, I'm not going to engage him with the tissue. And probably it's fine, I'll just pick it up afterwards. Yeah, he's having a nice time. And um, yeah, it's just, it's not, I mean, not that we do. We don't have any issues with doing swaps, which is what you should be doing if they mm-hmm. get something that you don't want them to have is do a swap. Okay, You'd be like, oh, look what I've got. It's very tasty. And show them that you've got something much better than what they have and do a swap. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I teach clients to kind of just go to the fridge and go, we're going to the fridge and then just go to the fridge or <laughs> get something nice out the fridge and pop the pop the piece of food on the nose and then the puppy just spits the thing out you can calmly pick it up give them a piece of chicken or something or go and grab something that's 
that's more exciting like a new toy or a chew and then swap it that way I think that's what you mean isn't it Kate yeah swap, yeah that's what I mean yeah swapsies yeah you've got to trade up you've got to trade go to trade for it you have I mean my my dogs now are at the point where they're like even if they have a chew they're always more interested in what I because I'm like oh guys if I say I can't say this word because all my dogs are in my room, but we've got a magic <laughs> yeah. word which means drop whatever you're doing and Whisper come and it. check in with me. <laughs> snacks. Oh, if I, okay. If I say snacks, oh, drop snacks. what they're doing. Yeah, immediately all drop what they're doing and they come and see what I've got, that's even like if they've already. <laughs> Someone whispers snacks to me. I'm there. <laughs> yeah, so, which is really, and it works with all of them now. So. <laughs> <laughs> much better than getting confrontational with them. I mean, I'd much rather have some snacks yeah. than um, have some confrontation. <laughs> we all like snacks. Snacks. We, do. we all like snacks. Let's face it. I'm glad uh, they didn't hear me. Otherwise, there'd be chaos. <laughs> yeah. So that wraps it up for this week's episode. We've covered puppies' first night, puppies' first walk, and chewing. And if you have any questions about any of those topics and you'd like to join the conversation, then please follow our Facebook page, which is the Chihuahua Podcast. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, and we will see you next time.